Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thank you for taking some time with me here this morning. So, I mentioned a while back that I had started wearing compression socks in the operating room. And, of course, somebody told me to do that a long time ago, and I wish I had, because it kind of got to the point where on my lower legs there wasn't a lot of hair growing, and I'm like, oh, man, this is starting to... Maybe I'm starting to have some issues. So I've been wearing them now pretty much every day. And what I would say is that, you know, if you have a a sedentary job or a job that where you're standing a lot, get compression socks and wear them every day. When you're sitting at your desk, you know, your knees are bent, you're not getting good circulation back up the legs. And then when you're standing your legs are straight and it's hard to pump all the way back up against that. So really, unless you've got a job where you're out walking all the time, you should probably wear compression socks. If you're, I mean, the younger you start wearing them, the better off you'll be. Obviously, if if you're wearing shorts, it might be something you're not really interested in from a fashion perspective. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they've really made me feel better. My legs just feel better overall. And, um, I don't know. It's always hard to tell if they make you feel like you have a little bit more energy or not. I'm doing so many other things, you know, ride my bike, work out, try to watch what I eat and all that kind of stuff. But I really think it's a worthwhile thing, especially if you have a super sedentary job, meaning you're just sitting all the time, or if you're standing all the time, if you have kind of in between job and do a fair bit of walking around, you know, that's one thing I'm not sedentary. I sit in my desk chair, but I walk to a patient room and then I either sit or stand in there and then I walk to the next patient room. So I'm kind of up and down all day. So I don't just sit there for hours on on end. Uh, But in the operating room, I stand there and you just stand there all day, basically. So I have not worn them while I've ridden my bike yet. And I'm kind of excited to try that and see how that goes. So anyway old guy stuff, but honestly, I wish I would have started wearing them when I was a lot younger because I've been doing this job for a long time. And there's just, when you just stand in one position all day or most of the day, anyway, it's not that great on your legs and your circulation. It's mostly about the circulation. I've seen some pickleball injuries recently. Pickleball's obviously really taken off. I would say one of my patients who I did a rotator cuff repair on last year, won her age group state championship just the other week in pickleball. So I was excited for her, but pickleball is really coming on and it's going to cause, I mean, the age group, although I will say I've seen on TV that it's catching on with younger people. I don't know any younger people that play, so I don't know if it's, if that's really a thing. I guess I don't know that many people in their twenties and thirties, but really seems to be coming on, but there are certainly a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s playing pickleball. So that's just going to lend itself towards injury. So if you are a pickleballer, remember the following. Stretch. You should stretch before you play because that, that stop and start that you do, it's a lot like tennis. Obviously, it's not quite as bad as tennis, and that's why people are playing it. But you're still doing stopping and starting. It's still... Just take five minutes and stretch, especially your legs, before you play. Wear the appropriate type of shoe wear. 
you don't want to wear running shoes on the pickleball court. And I know that most people already know all this stuff, but you know, maybe there's some people getting into it, but I'm just giving a little bit of, uh, just some advice towards people who may not know these things. So yeah, so you want to stretch and you want to, uh, you want to wear the appropriate footwear. And if you can tolerate it from a fashion perspective, wear some compression socks. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be a big sell, but what the heck, you know, at some point you don't really care what it looks like. But yeah, so pickleball's really come on and I'm, I'm glad to see more people getting active. I think that, yeah, sure, there are some injuries involved, but I mean, you're not going to, I won't say you're not going to die playing pickleball. I'm sure people have died playing pickleball. As a matter of fact, in that age group, if you're doing something exertional, somebody's going to die at some point, but not very likely. It's not, you know, it's not snowboarding. So glad to see people getting out and getting active. And now this particular woman whose shoulder I operated on, she came in because she wanted to get a Regenitin and get right back out on the pickleball court. Uh, the Regenitin is, again, the patch that we can put on the rotator cuff if it's torn partially. And she knew all about the patch and uh, was interested in getting it. And I looked at her MRI and I said, yep, I think we're going to put a patch on and you're going to be back playing pickleball in a few weeks. Well, I got in there and there was a tear that was all the way through the tendon. So a partial thickness tear, just at, like it sounds, is not all the way through the tendon. So if you just think of the tendon as a sheet of rope. So a partial thickness tear, if, if you just could say it's fraying a little bit, but, but you, couldn't, you couldn't see from one side of it to the other. Once you have a full thickness tear, there's an actual hole that goes all the way through. The, the Regenitin has not been, I don't know if it's even been studied on that, but it's certainly not recommended for it. So we got in there and she actually had a full thickness tear. And so I ended up having to do a small rotator cuff repair, which is fine, except that her recovery was a lot longer. She was out of pickleball a lot longer than she wanted to be, but hey, next year she won the, won the championship. So, but anyway, it's a really good, one of the things I like about the Regenitin is just that it allows, I was doing a procedure on a patient the other day who was young. She was 30 and she was getting what was called a biceps tenodesis. So the labrum is the lip around the socket in the shoulder. And when the labrum is torn, it causes pain with the, the long head of the biceps. Biceps has two heads. The long head of the biceps comes up into the shoulder and attaches on the labrum. And so when you move your shoulder, it, it can hurt. There's a couple of different ways to approach it, and I had chosen with this particular patient to do what's called a biceps tenodesis. So we cut the biceps using the scope. We put the scope inside the shoulder, cut the biceps, and so you cut it so it's no longer attached to the labrum, and then you tack it down into the groove where it normally lies so that it's still getting the same force applied across it, but it's no longer tugging on the labrum. And so while I was in there doing that, I inspected her rotator cuff, which we had seen on the MRI and did not, I mean, it looked like there was some little bit of fraying, but it was a lot more when I saw it. And it was not all the way through. So here's five years ago in this situation, I would have done nothing because she was right on the border. And the other option is 
when you're in that situation previously, so so you get in there and you don't expect that there's a significant rotator cuff tear, but you find out that it is significant, but it's not all the way through. Well, back before the Regenitin came out, you would just shave it a little bit, and then that was it. Or you could complete the tear using a knife and then tack it down, and then it would tack it down to the bone. That's what we, how we typically do a rotator cuff repair. And then that would grow back, and the bone and the tendon would grow together, and it would be stronger than it was. Well, I didn't want to do that because she would have been out of work for a long time and she couldn't afford that and she was not looking for that. So I was able to put a Regenitin patch on there, 48 hours in the sling. Her rehab is no slower than it would have been just from her biceps tenodesis. So it's really a great advancement. And, you know, I've really started to put it on most of my total shoulders as well. Of course, uh, if you've been listening, you know that I use the resurfacing total shoulder. So... The resurfacing total shoulder from Arthrosurface is, I mean, it's 100% the shoulder I would have if I had shoulder arthritis because it allows you to do whatever you want. I'm not going to go into the greatest. I'll just brush over a little bit. So on the ball side, we don't cut the head off or the ball off and stick a stem down, and that preserves bone. On the socket side, we don't resurface the whole socket we just resurface part of it and we leave a rim of your own bone and that preserves bone as well so on the socket side the fact that you have a rim of your own bone allows you to do whatever you want most time if you have a total shoulder you'll be limited to 35 pounds or so maybe 50 depends on how sporty the surgeon wants to get but i have patients because you leave a rim of your own bone on the socket side you know i i have people that are doing every job you can imagine people who are training for doing um, CrossFit. Of course, I tell them they got to be a little careful with the CrossFit, but there's lots of power lifters that have had this operation and go back to doing very heavy, you know, hundreds of pounds of bench pressing, three, four, five hundred pounds. So it's a great operation. The other benefit I like for it, especially for younger people, is that it preserves bone so much. And I just had a patient the other day who came to me and she had had a regular total shoulder, let's call it, with a stem in it on the ball side and a complete cemented resurfacing on the socket side. And her shoulder was failing. In other words, she had stopped getting pain relief. And it looked like on her bone scan that the that the socket side might be loose. It's hard to tell exactly. And so we're, we're getting her actually, I don't do redo shoulder surgery like that if it's a stemmed one because I just don't have experience doing that. And there's a limited number of guys around. I'd say guys, it, it just happens to be in Iowa that the ones who do that are males. But there's just not very many of them around. So we're sending her off uh to someone else to get taken care of. But the point is that if she were having that same problem with the arthrosurface shoulder that I put in, I would go back in and redo it because there's so much bone preserved. And I mean, that's, that's the whole thing because there's so much bone preserved. You can do if a, the arthrosurface shoulder resurfacing type replacement, and that's what it is. And people, people get a little bit confused about that too. Is it a resurfacing or a replacement? The resurfacing is the type of replacement that it is. 
it is a shoulder replacement. You are so shoulder replacement is your a total shoulder replacement. So there's a, a half of a shoulder replacement or a hemiarthroplasty. That's usually um, only used for fractures anymore. And then there's a total shoulder arthroplasty where we replace the ball and the socket. And so people get confused when I say I use the arthrosurface shoulder resurfacing. It still is a total shoulder replacement. It's just very tissue sparing. It, it just it preserves so much bone and it allows you to do so much more. So people kind of can get confused about that. And that's the one thing that I try to stress is sometimes patients will come and they say, oh, no, I didn't have a shoulder replacement. I mean, they'll see me and I'll say, how's that shoulder replacement? And they say, well, you didn't replace it. You resurfaced it. And then I kind of have to have the conversation again, which is fine because it's all very complicated stuff. I mean, there's there's a lot of nuances in the difference between the two. But getting back to why I use it, I use the resurfacing type shoulder replacement from Arthrosurface. I use that for two reasons. One, it preserves bone. And why that's important is just like the situation of this patient of mine, she had had a shoulder replacement but only about five years ago and looked like it might need to be redone. And it's just not something I'm going to jump into because taking that stem out, boy, that can be a real issue. And um, there's not a lot of people that do that. And so I'm not big on doing that. I've known some surgeons that have gotten some trouble doing that. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of my best friends, I told the story a long time ago, but he ended up passing away, a good young surgeon. And uh, he was taking a shoulder stem out and injured a lady's nerve and artery and was able to get a vascular surgeon in there and repair the artery. Um, but you know, I mean, just nothing I want to get into because where I'm working, there's no major vessels up where I'm working. But once you get the stem down in there, if you're taking that stem out, you can run into trouble and that can happen either early on like this patient or, you know, 20 years later, the shoulder has failed and you have to go in and put a different one in. And a certain number of shoulders are going to fail in 20 years like anything else. So we still think that 80% of them or better are going to be fully functional up to 30 years or so. And there's really, we don't even know all the data because it's hard to track it. Uh, We don't have, in this country, we don't have a joint registry like some of the, some of the countries have a joint registry and they like Australia and Canada and Sweden, but they're, they're small countries. I mean, only 20 million people in Australia and 20 million people in Canada. So it's much easier for them to get all that data, but you can rest assured that by sparing bone with the resurfacing shoulder, if you run into trouble in the future, whether it's an infection that requires the prosthesis to come out, which I've never had in my career on a shoulder, knock on wood, or, it fails in some other way, or it's just aged out. It's just worn out over time. You can be guaranteed that using the resurfacing type, it's the most bone sparing and it allows you the most options down the road if you do have that trouble. And so those are the two reasons I use it is because it allows you to do, to be more active in the short term and the medium and long term. It allows you to be more active And it also is protective of 
of your bone. It just leaves so much bone that if you did have to go back in and do something with it, you have so much bone to work with. It just opens up your options dramatically. So that's exactly why I use that. And nowadays I do put the Regenitin with it. Not always, but I would say most people with shoulder arthritis have at least some degree of rotator cuff tearing. And if I look at it and I think it needs it during the surgery, I put the Regenitin on because then the Regenitin actually thickens the cuff and makes it stronger and makes it less likely that the cuff is going to tear later on down the road after a shoulder replacement. And of course, now those are two different pathologies that can occur either separately or together. And that's a rotator cuff tear, which is the tendon that moves the shoulder around inside or arthritis, which is the breakdown of the joint between the ball and the socket. And, uh, and all these things are, I know it's a lot and it, trying to get it explained well over the radio is difficult because I can't draw any pictures or show pictures on the internet, but you can look up shoulder arthritis and you can look up a rotator cuff tear and you can kind of see how those things work together. And, and the one thing that we, uh, always try to do is make sure that there's a good rotator cuff after a shoulder replacement. And, uh, so that's why I use the Regenitin on most people getting that operation. So a little pickleball story talk and a little shoulder story talk today. So I hope you have enjoyed uh, this week's show. And, uh, and I do, again, thank you for spending some time with me. And uh, you have a blessed week, Iowa.